With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. You're listening to episode what? Whoa. Oh, no. Ryan's beer exploded all over the table. Oh, no. But I think you're listening to episode 230. I forgot oh, to check for you. Unfortunate turn of events. <laughs> now what is Ryan, this? No, Ryan has to go get some paper God. towel. <laughs> but I'm going to continue with the introduction because that's just funny. But you are listening to what I believe is episode 230 because, like I said, I forgot to check. Before I hit the record button, but that's absolutely okay because there is news in Red Wings land. There is news in Griffin's land. Uh, I mean, news in Griffin's land, yes. Red Wings land is subjective because it hasn't been 100% confirmed yet, though the source is a, a reputable hockey blog by people who've been doing it for a really long time. Uh, so that is uh, that is there. It is out. It is in the world. I tweeted it out. It's gotten a lot of um, really interesting feedback. Uh, but Ryan, besides, you know, exploding your beer, how are you feeling tonight? Brand new beer, like fresh from bushes two days ago. Like, what the hell, man? Didn't drop it. Didn't do anything with it. It had been sitting around. I'm, I'm good, though, other than the fact that now my desk is kind of gets sticky. That's great. <sighs> but I think we're going to jump right into it tonight because there <laughs> is I, I started earlier. and They're like, well, what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, oh, I got a couple things. And then I kept looking. I'm like, oh, no, there's more than a couple things. But we're going to start with the Red Wings free agents and an article that came out saying the Red Wings are unlikely to sign any of their UFAs. This was published by Bob Duff on Detroit Hockey Now. Bob mm-hmm. Duff, noted Red Wings writer, been around for a very long time. Very uh, long trust time. Trustworthy source. There's no reason for me to say, Bob Duff, you're lying for the clicks because he doesn't need them. No. So. Straight from the article, I'm going to read my highlighted text. Con had a similar article on MLive saying very similar, but it was much less direct than what Duff put out. So what Bob Duff said, and I'm going to read it verbatim from the article, according to an NHL source, the Red Wings were making contract offers to two of their impending UFAs. However, both Pia Suter and Alex Chason were Mm. opting to pass on the offers presented to them by the Detroit Brass. Suter was offered a one-year pack to play third season in Detroit. However, the veteran forward wants to see if he can get a multi-year deal on the open market. The offer to Chason was a one-year two-way deal. Again, according to the source, Chason's camp wants to see if he can secure a full NHL contract from another club by entering into the UFA fray on July 1st. Now, my qualm with that is that uh, a two-way deal is not an AHL NHL deal anyone can be sent down to the AHL by passing through waivers the the one way or two ways is just how much money you make so if you yep. have a one way deal exactly what it comes down to but yeah if you've got a if you've got a one way deal you're making the same salary in the NHL as the AHL if you've got a two way deal your AHL and NHL salary differs 
So to him, I can see why he would be like, no, I want the one way because I'm pretty sure that's all he's had up to this point. He wants a consistent paycheck. Yeah. And you could argue that the way that he finished out the season with the wings in particular, like he earned it in a way. But at the same time, you're just like, okay, well, why weren't you there sooner? Granted, the wings, they were performing arguably well, and it didn't warrant his role to be out there. But I don't know. I, I, I'm a little bummed. Like, I would have taken either. Chase on was great because he's what? He's also 6'3, yep. 6'4, isn't he? Big guy, net front presence. Yeah. He was the Mike, like we had said before, he was the Michael Rasmussen, like fill in when Rass went down as that yeah, net took front over goal Mike all the way. Yeah, the one I'm more upset about, though, is Pia Suter, man. I totally yeah. would have given him a three-year contract. And people, the second I put that out there, and they're like, well, they all suck. Goodbye. And I'm like, not really. Pia Suter, uh, if I'm pulling, I'm looking at Evolving Hockey's uh, player cards right now. He had an overall uh, score of 78, a 40 offense, but a 98 defense. Yeah. The dude was a penalty-killing machine. Like, bottom six center, and it, he did great at it. The epitome of role player. Yeah, and people are saying, well, Joe Valeno can do it. Yeah. Pia Suter was better than Joe Valeno. Yeah. Just straight up better than him. And Eye test and stat-wise, if I'm not correct. Yeah, and then people are saying, well, uh, Marco Casper. Well, if you're bringing Marco Casper in to play in a fourth-line role, leave him in Grand Rapids. That does yeah. not make any sense to me to bring him in and play him in a fourth-line role. Someone said Carter yeah. Mazur. Carter Mazur's not a center. And then people argued, well, Pia Suter didn't play center all year. It doesn't matter. Carter Mazur, I don't think, is going to come in year one and give you what Pia Suter gave you. you. That's a lot of hope on a rookie to come in and perform immediately at that level. And if you're trying to replace a dude who's who's scores a 98 on defense, he's great on five on five defense, great on the penalty kill. And it's just he's an, I think he was an important role player that I'm surprised that they only offered him a year. But to me. That almost signals that Iserman has some pretty deep plans happening right now to yeah. where he's looking a year out and going, no, this guy can absolutely replace Suter, and I don't want to lock him into three years if I know next year there's a guy that can replace him. Does, it, does that make you nervous at all? Everything makes me nervous, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, we've got, so there's one, two, three forwards that have to be replaced, arguably five, because they've got Matt Luff moved up on the, the main roster right now, but he's arbitration eligible. And then you've got eight. There's Ned. I was wondering where it was. So eight, Jeez, eight NHL-style <laughs> NHL bodies that are not getting tendered. They're not, I shouldn't say tendered. That is the very much wrong word there. Being offered a contract. So... Yeah, because at the end of the article, it says goalies Alex Ndokovic, Magnus Hallberg, defenseman Jordan Osterley, Robert Haig, and Mark Pissick, and forward Adam Ernie. The NHL source indicated none have received a contract offer from the Red Wings, and if they have not received a contract offer yet, they're not going to. Yeah. Unless something crazy happens and Suter doesn't get what he wants, and he's like, all right, I'll come back. But something's got to give, and I don't know what. I mean, point. that's what gave, right? We were we were talking at the end of last week's episode on like, where are the roster spots going to come from? You're trying to trade for some big name guys. You're trying to move in some prospects like a Mazer, maybe like a Casper, maybe. Now I was listening to Red and White Authority and uh, Art had Dan Cleary on to oh, talk wow. about the yeah. prospects. And if you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to it because Dan Cleary, one, he's hilarious. And two, he works with these guys every day. And Art had asked, hey, is, is Marco put like, 
I'm going to ask you these questions. I know you can't really answer, but is Marco pushing for a spot? Like, is he like pretty much guaranteed to be on the roster? And Dan's like, I, I'm not going to say that. Like, I can't say that. And he's like, it's not, it wouldn't hurt him to have a year in Grand Rapids. So he didn't make it sound super hopeful. He's like any one of these kids that's in Grand Rapids could come in and bust the doors down and earn a spot. Besides, besides what he said about Amadeus Lombardi, because the little insight there was that apparently after playing the games, I think, um, I think Lombardi played one or two games in Grand Rapids at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And his feedback to Dan, Dan had asked him like, what is like, he's like, it's great. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. And it's, he's like, I'm going up in the face-off circle against these guys and I'm putting my stick down and I'm bearing down. He's like, and I'm not even moving their stick. So he's like, Dan's like, yeah, so it sounds like you're going to be in the weight room all summer then because it's just the, they're, they're kids, man. They're coming yeah. out of juniors. They're coming out of college. Granted, the ones coming out of college generally put on a little more weight than the ones yeah. coming out of juniors. But Lombardi, Lombardi literally just turned 20 two weeks ago. Yeah. And he's probably like 160 pounds soaking wet. The kid. Let's so, see his latest and greatest, at least per cap friendly shows him at. 510 165. Yeah. See, so like the guy needs to get up to to 180, 175, 180. And at he just needs to do a lot of muscle. You want, yeah. You want to push to 180 at least. So the guys, and, and I know everyone's super excited, and we do this every year. We say, oh man, wouldn't it be awesome if these guys came in and our wishes came true? Like Cider made it to the league really quick after one season in Grand Rapids and part of the season overseas. Raymond came in on his first season. I don't think that's going to happen again because if you're looking at drafting Ryan Leonard, I think he's going to be in, in the AHL for a bit. If you're drafting an Oliver Moore, same situation. A lot of these guys that you're drafting, I don't think are going to start year one and they probably shouldn't start year one. But like well, you said, there's a lot of holes we have to plug. Is it more a big boy or am I, thinking, am I getting the U S players mixed up right now? So both of them, both Leonard and Moore are under six foot. Um, but, but Leonard is the heavier one. Leonard's going to be pushing 190 here pretty soon. I mean, if they're getting drafted at this point, I mean, they're already in the, let's see, Moore's going to Minnesota. Yeah, Leonard committed to BC. So they're going to be hitting that summer program real quick. Yeah, so even better, they're both going to college, which is mm -hmm. a, a great step for, for uh, prospects like them. But like you said, Ryan, we're we're trying to fill some spots. And we were, I was talking, like I got way off subject, but we were talking at the end of last week, where are those spots going to come from? And it looks like that's one of the spots. Chase on spot, I don't really count because he wasn't here all year. So Pia Suter going, Adam Ernie going, Chase on going. I'm assuming Matt Luff, maybe they get him into Grand Rapids. Gustav Lindstrom, they can let walk. Robert Haig, they said, is gone. Osterley's gone. Helberg's gone. Pissick's gone. That was another one we had a question about. I was like, are they going to maybe try out Pissick again? But gone because he's already 31. So there are spots to be had. And there are also that trade rumors. That one stays as a bummer. Pissick, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. And it's bad luck for him. But I'm not sure he would have really turned anything around for us last year. So really, you have a top six. And that's debatable if it's considered to be a top six. Let's see. So you've got to think that Soderblom's going to be moving up. Maybe. Looking, so that was the Soderblom was the other one Dan Cleary talked about. 
Uh, he said the problem with Soderblom is basically consistency. Getting him to come to the rink every day and do give it a hundred percent effort. And hmm. that is a thing he said. Some guys get it from day one. Some guys take a little bit of time to get it. And when they were talking about Elmer Soderblom, he was talking about coming to the rink every day and being consistent in his effort level. If he has a good offseason and if he can show that consistency, then I don't see any reason that Soderblom can't play a third line role on the team next season. I'll take either third or fourth. Sure. Bottom six role. That's fine. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to look at the the depth or the armchair GM piece. And it'll be interesting because you've got Alex Doucette, which a lot of I people just have ready forgot to bring him up. Like, what's going to happen with it? Like, he's got to be going to Grand Rapids. There's no I feel like there's yeah. no way around that one. Yeah, no, I think he's automatic. Well, and again, a lot of this depends on training camp and a lot of it depends on the uh, what goes on in the preseason. But Alex Doucette, I would assume, is 100 percent set for Grand Rapids. Cross Hannes, because he went out with injury, will play in Grand Rapids. Lombardi's mm-hmm. in Grand Rapids. Pontus yep. Andreasen's back overseas. Uh, Elmer Soderblom, Grand Rapids or Detroit. Carter Mazur, Grand Rapids, but I think there's a chance he could make it to Detroit. Who's so that? Carter Mazur. Oh, yeah. So there are spots available. There are guys that are itching to take those spots, but there are also free agents that... Um, Eyes are not free agents. Or, well, yeah, free agents and trade targets that Eiserman is taking a look at. So do we want to talk about that first or we talk really quickly talk about Dan Watson and William Wilder? Let's go with uh, the wings news first. All right. Dan Watson. Dan's well, not wings news, I guess. Well, kind of because our prospects are there. Organizational news. How's that? Dan Watson has been hired as the 12th Grand Rapids Griffins coach in that team's history. Uh, it is not a promotion. They are not, though they are affiliated, they are not part of the same company, if that makes any sense. Like getting, it's not a promotion to get, go from Grand Rapids to the Red Wings or from Toledo to Grand Rapids. It is a brand new job. So uh, Watson finished his uh, tenure in Toledo. He was there from 2016 to 2023. With a uh, record of 272, 112, and 35 in the regular season, and led the Walleye to the Kelly Cup Finals twice this past season and in 2019. The dudes love him. They say again, he's a he's a players kind of coach. Uh, he has coached before with Lalone, so they mm-hmm. have a relationship with each he's other. His assistant, wasn't he? Yeah, and they said it's like basically he's he's the same kind of coach. He's a demanding coach. But he is also a player's coach. He takes that personal approach to get to know his guys. Kosa loves him. Kosa is going to follow him to Grand Rapids next season. And after a very disappointing season in Grand Rapids, which I think we said from the beginning, they're like, man, they're going to have a great team. Like, it's it could be awesome. And granted, they were decimated by injury at points during the season, but so mm-hmm. is every other team. I think that Watson, from what he's been able to do in Toledo, if he can bring that to Grand Rapids and stick with the guys and stick with the prospects. I think being a player's coach, I feel is more suited to developing players. And I think that's what he's, I mean, that's perfect position for him in Grand Rapids with the young prospects that are going to be there. Seeing his track record since he took over for alone, they haven't, first of all, Toledo has made the playoffs every year since 14, 15 Two two straight years with Lalone. Those are the only two years that he was there. Watson took over in 16, 17. 
he hasn't had less than a 40 win season. And there's an asterisk on that. The only season he didn't get 40 wins was the COVID year, 1920. Or the playoffs were canceled and they only played 59 games that season. I mean, the record's there. You just mentioned Kosa. You mentioned the relationship with Alone. Yeah, the player like, and coach know confidence. What he can bring. And if that type of confidence, like you just said, I'll steal that one, can be brought to Grand Rapids with all these young players that we were just talking about. Huge. And if he's going to, and now if we're going to see that system translated from what Lalone had going on down in Grand Rapids, because typically they're going to run the same thing, doesn't happen all the time, but usually that's the case. You got to hope that that might accelerate some of these guys, right? Yeah. And I think what they were saying too about Watson is that he's not afraid to change things mid season or during the season if, if things aren't going correctly. So the walleye, they had mentioned on the Red and White Authority that they were around the 500 mark, which they wanted to be above. So they changed the goaltending situation with Lethman and uh, Kosa, and we're going back and forth between them. And that's when they hit their like 18 game in a row winning streak. Mm -hmm. So he's able to identify situations that need to be changed, make the appropriate changes during those situations to get the team back on track. And I feel like Grand Rapids kept falling behind. And again, injury is a factor, but they kept falling behind. And we had said it makes sense why. Well, we had said during the season that, I mean, we're, we were like, we're pretty sure that uh, that uh, Ben Simon's going to get fired. And then he did get fired. But I think this is a good move for the organization as a whole, uh, yeah. the Grand Rapids organization and for Detroit because of that coach and coach relationship between the two and developing players. So there's familiarity already. They don't need to take time to really get to know each other and their styles and what they want to work on. But because we're going to have guys maybe moving back and forth, a a decent number of guys moving back and forth during the season at some point, that the communication's already there and the familiarity is already there. So I think that's probably the the best part about the hire is that the Mm -hmm. coaches know each other. Oh, totally. I I like it. Hopefully it, you know, finally gives us something to be excited about out out west. Yeah, again, something else to be excited about because hopefully we're also excited about the Red Wings season (laughs) coming up. (laughs) Because, man, yeah, Red Wings West. Absolutely. Um, Another little piece of news I want to talk about before we go to commercial break is Red Wings prospect William Wallander was named the EHC Young Player of the Year. So, again, Bob Duff, thank you at Detroit Hockey Now for doing the write-up. He says this is the third straight year in which the presentation of the award has gone to a Red Wings draft pick. In 2020-21, it was Cider. And last season was Elmer Soderblom and now William Wallander. Wallander says it's a great honor to win this prize, but it wasn't easy because there are a lot of great young players in Europe. Uh, it's great for confidence. It makes you feel a lot better as a player and as a person. He beat out 2023 draft hopefully O'Carlson, Levi Miralainen, uh, Akurati, and David Reinbacher for the award. Ooh. So some big names that are going to be the two huge names that are going to be drafted this yeah, season. Yeah, so a little more than big. Yeah, and from by all accounts, he's apparently really stepped up his game, and I'm kind of I'm like really excited for what Wallander can do. But again, I'm tempering my expectations because if there are teams looking to trade high value players, Wallander might be something they request. I was just getting ready to ask you with all the things that have been coming up with him and the positivity and what he's been able to do, getting this another award for over there, you still would trade him. I mean, if you need to get an elite level scoring forward and they ask for 
pick 17 in Wallander for someone like a, a Debrinket. I mean, I almost have to pull the trigger and we'll get to Debrinket after the commercial because there's some other weird news coming out of Sen's land with that. But I almost have to to do it because, again, we're chock full of defensemen on the left side. And maybe you say, yeah, we'll trade Wallander. And then with pick 17, you go and or with the next pick, you go and pick up a left handed defenseman. Maybe one drops. Maybe the uh, the Russian defenseman Simashev drops and you can get him. So I, it's hard because, yeah, I like as fans, we tend to get overly attached sometimes to prospects, especially when their development path is going really well. But on the other hand, you've got to know that you have to trade value to get value or else you just swim in the, the muddy middle of the NHL forever. I, I could go either way with it. I guess it depends on who the trade is for to bring it maybe. We'll talk about that, but he's coming to North America, so maybe that's what's going to be. I don't think anything would actually happen until he gets over here, but that's just me being optimistic. So, so Wallander in his second full season in the SHL, he was Rogla's top defenseman. He's six foot four, 190 pounds. And smooth he's skating. He's big. He's a big guy. Smooth skating, puck carrying, rear guard. Was a workhorse average ice time of 21 minutes and 27 seconds, led his team, and was 10th overall in the entire league. His 26 points in 50 games put him 13th in the league among defensemen. It also tied him for top spot among all players 20 and under at any position. In the playoffs, he added three more points in nine games in the Champions Hockey League, so the CHL overseas. He was even more prolific with eight points in nine games. He really broke out in what Cleary had said about William Wallander is that when he was drafted, he was kind of like really shy, really reserved, didn't say very much, kind of unsure about everything kind of guy. And between then and when he talked to them recently, looks you in the eye, very straight answers, know what knows what he needs to improve on, recognizes areas in his game that he, he needs to work at. And he's it's like a night and day difference, a very strong prospect coming up in the system. And I think that might be the only reason they would hesitate to trade him. And based on what's coming out out of Sen's land, they might not have to because there's some crazy stuff going on over there. But I think what we're going to do before we get to that is we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be how you like that stinger, Ryan. I think they call it a stinger when you give a little a little taste of something <laughs> and then you move to commercial. Um, no. but we do need to get a word in from DraftKings before we return to close out the episode. So we'll be back in just a minute. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. And we're back. And uh, Alex Debrinkit, uh rumors just continue to heat up. It's like a goddamn wildfire in here, which Canada, can we stop? 
can we just stop burning the trees? Because now the Western Canada wildfire is making my lungs hurt and the sky is constantly hazy and I don't like it. But Frank Saravalli was on Coming In Hot and he said the list of guys available to Ottawa and Dabrinkit's list is weird. Doesn't think the Sens get a significant roster player in return. And from the Detroit side, the most they could get is a Zadina who hasn't really worked plus futures. And that makes yeah. my heart happy because if all it takes to get Alex to bring it now, apparently they also mentioned the number nine pick and I'm like, I'll give him 17 in Zadina and a second rounder <laughs> him 17, one of the second rounders in Zadina. And if that's all it takes to get Alex to bring it, just abs, you run, you run good luck, to, like good luck, my friend. Iserman is known for driving players around, and I think he could go just pick up Alex Dabrinkit and bring him home from Ottawa. Tell Z, tell Z you're going to see uh, Niagara Falls and be like, oh. Push him off in a barrel. But, get out uh, and have him walk out, and then Dabrinkit's hiding in a bush, and he just jumps in the car and takes off, and Zadina's left there standing by the bridge. Now, the only other apparent wrinkle in this situation is that Ottawa is insisting. Now, this is from, I believe, Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts. Ottawa is insisting that other teams have to offer a good deal or Ottawa will not even let them talk to Dabrinkit and his agent. So to me, it's like put your money where your mouth is and we'll let you have a conversation and then we'll finish the deal later. Answer me this then. How can they stop Dabrinkit from receiving an offer, a qualifying offer then? Well, they they're apparently taking him to arbitration. They've already said we're taking you to arbitration. Ah, but he's an so I think if you're going to arbitration, you cannot be offer sheeted. Okay. Players that are are taken to arb. So that's what's stopping an offer sheet. That makes is sense. Is saying we're going to take you to arbitration now. They could be super dicks and just take him all the way to arb and say we're giving you a one year deal and we're walking you to free agency, and they don't have to trade him unless he formally requests or formally requests a trade. Any professional sports organization probably shouldn't do that because then you kind of your your reputation goes down. Guys are I mean, you're already the senator, so guys aren't jumping to sign with you anyways. But I think they're probably even less likely to. So hold on. This says this is cap friendly. Does salary arbitration affect the offer sheet process? Club is it player or club elected? It's club elected. So it says club elected. A player who has been elected for salary arbitration in the first window. Is this the first window for, for it? I believe so. Should be, right? Is eligible to receive an offer sheet. However, the player has until July 5th to sign the offer sheet. So he could go through. Now, he's not a free agent, so that the, the date really doesn't matter on it. I was under the impression that he couldn't get. Well, so no, if it's that's, player that's elected, because he's in our arbitration. So if it's player elected. He is ineligible entirely. From Got arbitration. it, because the team says we're taking you to arbitration. He mm -hmm. could still be offer sheeted. Maybe. I mean, I I don't think I would offer sheet to bring it because his his QO is super high right now. Well, no, I was just curious as, as to how that works. So, I mean, I'm going to look at evolving hockey's contract projection for to bring it is if he signs with a different team, seven years, eight point five, seven, seven million. And you got to figure, and I think I said it last week, maybe he takes a little bit of a hometown discount because he'd be coming back, living with his family. He has a very, very young child. I mean, that's close to home is probably best for him. Maybe he takes 8.3. But at that point for a 40 goal score, you do that deal. And yep. if all you have to send them is pick 17 and Philip Zadina and maybe a second, I, I think you do it. Like, yeah. 
it's not every day that you can just go get a player like this. Like that a team is like like a player of this quality goes and says, I don't I don't want to play for you anymore. Please trade me. That doesn't really happen super frequently. Yeah. Unless you're Jack Eichel. At least 27 goals in all seasons, but one in that one season was COVID, but I don't think he would have hit that point anyways. So, or I'm sorry, COVID year, he had 32 goals. So I take that back. The, the year prior was 1920. He actually must be, must have been hurt for a short stretch there. He had 18 goals. So even in the COVID year, 30, he had 32 goals in 52 games. Yeah, last year was a down season for him, and he was playing on a really mid-sense team who had a really bad start in finishing. But a really year. good power play. Yeah, so if I look at his three-year player card on Evolving Hockey, is an overall score of 89 with an 87 offense and a 20 defense. So yeah. again, he's an offensive forward, um, really good on the power play, really good at five-on-five. Five. He's the kind of guy that you need to just come out and say, okay, Alex, Go put pucks in the net. That is now your job. You're you are fulfilling Philip Zadina's destiny. Just go <laughs> and do it. And we'll send Philip Zadina over to Ottawa and he'll go on to, I would say, greener pastures, but I don't think it is. Um, so I mm, no. I think anyone in their right mind would absolutely do it. Yeah. And I think that what will hold back on their offers is the fact that if it's true that they're not letting people talk to him or his agent until an offer is made, I think that that's going to lower offers because if you can talk to him beforehand and they're like, absolutely, I'll sign a seven year deal with you. You might up your offer a bit just to say, have that guarantee from the player Mm -hmm. before having to show your entire hand before even getting to talk to him. I mean, does it work out where you get a Severson situation where you get the sign and trade? I think it would be incredibly rare to then be the third full sign and trade in NHL history, two of them being in the same season. Right. I mean, I might. I'm not sure that it's completely necessary to get that extra year deal in this situation. I don't think the extra year is going to affect it a lot with uh, Debrinket because he's what? He's 26. 25. He'll be 26. He'll be 26 in December, I think. So. I mean, you go, you take him until he's 32. I mean, that's into his early 30s is fine with me. And then you just sign him again to another contract. The the extra year, the eighth year doesn't bother me much. And a lot of players I know do it for the stability and for the guarantee on the money for that extra year. But to me, it doesn't it doesn't bother me much whether we get him on a seven or eight. And I don't think the price would be that different. Probably not. I, I would do that deal all day, though, the way he can score. A team like Detroit, we've been pounding on the tables for the last several years that they need a goal scorer. Kubelik, we'll continue to pound on the tables. Yeah. I mean, Kubelik <laughs> is probably the most exciting quote unquote goal scorer we've picked up in free agency the last several years. You could argue Perron is in the same boat, but they're not to bring it, in my opinion. So. No, and I mean, you could look at Vancouver because Vancouver is looking at giving up some players, but none of them are to bring it. They're not going to give up a Pedersen as much as we would love Elias Pedersen in Detroit. They're not giving up an Elias Pedersen. I mean, you could argue look, the same thing for to bring it as well, but that's besides the point. Well, you could look at Arizona and you could say Clayton Keller. I'd love Clayton Keller. They're probably going to have to trade Clayton Keller. I might try to go get both. Like, why not? Why mm-hmm. not go get Debrinket and go get Keller? 
and imagine like that absolutely gets you into the playoffs next season. Why not try and go get I now Nylander would be the one where I think if you get Nylander, you're just getting Nylander and you could probably pick up a defenseman. But like we said, Radko Gudis is a is a good target with Severson's off the market. Um, Noah Hannafin is apparently up for trade. Now, Noah Hannafin is a left defenseman yes. and we've got left defenseman. But if you traded Wallander in one of these other trades and you picked up Noah Hannafin, then it doesn't look as bad. So there's a lot of moves in. And I think that part of what not offering like 80% of your free agents, a contract says to me is that Steve knows what he needs to do this summer. Of course he knows what he needs to do, but he knows that that thing is probably, we need to make moves. And I mm-hmm. think it was maybe Friedman that also said that Iserman, he thinks Iserman's going to be very aggressive this summer. Like that is what, what is the word blowing in the wind around the league? Now we always generally say that anything that comes out about Iserman is probably false because Iserman doesn't let anything out or at most it's a best guess, but we've got the same guess because if he doesn't do anything, this is the season where if improvements aren't made actual improvements, both on the ice and on the, the scoreboard, and in the record books that people are going to start questioning Steve Eiserman. I'm not questioning him yet. There are people that already have started, but I think at the end of the season, if there's not a market improvement or at least we're not at least super close to a playoff spot, if not in one, people are going to start hardcore questioning Steve Eiserman. Yeah. And I still don't necessarily think it's fair because of what he came into and how he had to literally tear the whole thing oh, down. Totally. But- we also we've all all have said that we think that this is the year that they need to be making that noise or like you just said people are going to be pitchforks are starting to get sharpened um there's something else i was going to mention but i completely forget what it was so we'll, we'll see i i think most people at this point are the meme with the stick poking something on the ground saying do something they've been We're wanting so bored. <laughs> they, they, they've been wanting a trade of like impact and magnitude for years yeah and i think a big thing that's holding detroit back is a true a true to form goal scorer because you look at the roster you can maybe argue that raymond has potential but after him who, who do you look at as that scoring i mean yeah larkin's been scoring 30 goals but you need more than that that's one line yeah, I think maybe you look at Dominic Kubelik to step it up yet again next season and become more consistent so. with his uh, with his scoring. But I mean, when he went cold. It got bad. Well, he's really the only other one, though, right? I mean, Raymond should pick it up. I I have I am confident that Raymond has all the talent in the world to have a seventy point season next season. Thirty goals, forty assists, give him seventy points next season because. It, he knows what he needs to do. He's a very, very smart hockey player. He's adaptable. He had a, a down year. It wasn't a bad year. He had a down year. He was injured part of the season. And I have full confidence that he will absolutely turn it around next season. So you're going to pick up scoring there. You're not going to pick up scoring, I don't think, in a Zadina at all, if he's even here. So right now, your, your scorers are Raymond, Kubelik, and Larkin. Mm-hmm. And you need to add one or two more for it to be a legitimate, like to have legitimate threats on almost every line. 
I mean, Kubi, he at least hit 20, but even Perron outscored him. Okay, so Perron's your other scorer. And you got to think Rasmussen will bring it up a bit. I mean, Raz had 29 points in 56 games. Kopp, he just didn't look right, but he's going to be a, he's a playmaker, not a goal scorer. Zadina had seven points in 30 games. Yeah, so it's not it's not looking good. And I'm trying to remember, like, it's big trade season. So who was our last, like, really big trade that was like an impact player trade? That they, who they brought in? Yeah, that they brought in someone because they needed an impact player. And I mean, we traded for Eric Cole, which Eric Cole was a great player until he hurt his neck. He didn't survive. I mean, we traded for David Leguan and he was Garbo. We traded for God. I like, and I'm looking at right now, like the entire Red Wings trade history. And I got to your favorite trade, but I won't mention it. Sort of. Um, they traded. I forgot they traded and got Thomas Vanish. Would it be 2008? Where? Oh man. Okay, so this is funny. We traded a fourth round pick and a second round pick for Brad Stewart in 2008. But do you know what happened with those picks? No. It was a 2008 second round pick, which became Peter Dalmas, and the 2009 fourth round pick, Detroit's at 120, which became Ben Sherratt. Oh. So we can tie Ben Sherratt all the way back to 2008 and the Brad Stewart trade. Now, in 2007, we did trade oh. uh, Sean Mathias to Florida for Todd Bertuzzi. So there was also that trade as well. Probably so that one then, right? I mean, yeah, but but that team was already a good uh, no. team. Uh, the Robert Lang trade. Here we go. That was a big one, but he, the fact that we never got anything crazy with that one. I don't know. Maybe okay, here you go. Got- July first, two thousand one. We traded Kozlov to the Sabers for Hasek. Kozlov in a first. In a first, which became Jim Slater. But that's, I think that's that's, that's not your a trade. mid-season trade, though. I was looking. I was trying to look for stuff in the season. A mid, yeah, that was not a mid-season trade, but I think that would have been the last, most like the biggest impact kind of trade. Yeah. So I think we need to have a trade of that magnitude where the player that we acquire actually fucking does something. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think that's what's coming up. I think it happens sooner than later. I really feel like a trade will happen before the draft because a team that makes a trade is going to want that 17 pick or the nine pick, depending on who we get. Mm -hmm. So in the next week, we should have some news. And I'm going to be pissed if we record this and I edit and I post in the second I post, they're going to make a trade. And we know that's what's going to happen. But Ryan, I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off tonight. Oh, final thoughts. We are a week and a half away, right? From, uh, I guess by the time this comes out, we'll be just over a week from the yeah, NHL draft. About a week. So, yes, please. We will be back and in action at LCA. Hopefully, uh, it's going to be an interesting time, but have you seen it? It'll be good, out? interesting. As, as they, have they posted what events are going on? Are they going to have music again or anything like that? It's going to be music. It's like a party atmosphere. So, it's going to be music and there will be food and drink available for purchase. Um, because they're not going to give anything for free. There's a tent sale uh, where they just sell um, stuff from the season in a tent, and there's games. So last last year they set up like cornhole and like big ass Connect Four and stuff in the plaza for people to play. So it's going to be more like 
I think this year it's Festival. they're not really doing uh Daniela had posted on Twitter that they're not really doing any commentary. They're That's not having bummer. like Art Ken and Daniela up there to like break down picks or talk about prospects, which I said it's like it's like a terrible decision. It's a terrible decision to do that because the people are there to learn about the prospects. They're for the draft party because they want to know who we drafted. So well, that was a crowd drawer too. Like that was yeah. people got sucked to that part of Chevy Plaza. We all and stood there to and listened to them to talk. Interact. I mean, it's not just they're they're not going to be there and doing stuff, but it kind of loses. I mean, it, we'll see how it goes. But to me, it loses a bit of mojo by not having that there. So, anyways, to continue my final thoughts, yeah, hopefully you see some folks next Wednesday. It should be a good time. It, it, last couple of years has been fantastic. Um, but yeah, other than that. Let's see some trades. I want to get crazy. But yeah, already ran 33. My final thoughts are go follow us on LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn now, which so is, I thought it was funny, but I'm like, it's another social media platform. And people are actually starting to use LinkedIn more for other stuff because current yeah, social media platforms are going straight to hell. Annoying Facebook. Well, go follow us on pseudo annoying Facebook on LinkedIn. We're going to post God. our stuff there as well. Um, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We'd like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network and a thank you for hosting us and spreading us around. Also, a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Uh, don't be like Elliot Friedman and say Detroit. I don't like people that say Detroit because that's how he pronounces it. Apparently, it's a Canadian thing. What? Apparently, it's a Canadian thing that he pronounces it Detroit. And I uh, don't I don't like it. So it's Detroit. Please stop saying it. Detroit. No one wants to hear it like that. Uh, <laughs> but I also like to give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Table. He's a promo code Grindline. You get 10% off your order. Bring hockey back. Same promo code 12%. Go sub to us on YouTube and check out our merch on Redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.